from WNYC Studios. I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Thursday, February 15th. You know, one thing we haven't mentioned yet here this week is John Stewart's return to The Daily Show, nine years after he left his position there as host in 2015. He has signed back on to host on Monday nights, if you haven't heard this yet, through the November election, Monday nights through the November election, and this week was the first one. Now, I think it's fair to say that The Daily Show exists largely to get laughs at the expense of the right and make satirical or political points for the audience by doing so. And they certainly did that this week, showing clips of Donald Trump having apparently more serious memory lapses than Joe Biden has, for example, even though Biden seems to get covered a lot more by the press for his. But then Stewart's ultimate point in his 20-minute monologue, at least to me, seemed to be that we should talk more about both candidates' ages and mental acuity, not less. And yes, that includes Biden and the Democrats. So here's an example. Stewart played a montage of leading Democrats saying there's nothing to see here when it comes to Biden's age and abilities, ending with a clip of Vice President Harris, which we will hear now, followed by Jon Stewart's commentary about it. I was in almost every meeting with the president, and the president was in front of and on top of it all, coordinating and directing leaders who are in charge of America's national security, not to mention our allies around the globe. Did anyone film that? (laughs) Because if you're... If you're telling us behind the scenes he is sharp and full of energy and on top of it and really in control and leading, you should film that. (laughs) That would be good to show to people. And if that part was good for a laugh at the party circling the wagons, Stewart ended that section not with a joke, but with a serious editorial line about taking this issue seriously. We're not suggesting neither man is vibrant, productive, or even capable. But they're both stretching the limits of being able to handle the toughest job in the world. What's crazy is thinking that we're the ones, as voters, who must silence concerns and criticisms. It is the candidate's job to assuage concerns, not the voter's job not to mention them. John Stewart from his return to The Daily Show on Monday night. Now, you might agree with that conclusion or consider it ageist or, as one person has already texted, today's show really helps suppress Democratic votes, helps Trump. Appalling that you would blindly play into this. So many people are going to have that reaction. Uh, and we're going to open up the phones on the issue in a minute. But Stewart's monologue came, of course, just after special counsel Robert Hurd described Biden as memory challenged in his report on Biden and classified documents and Biden's fiery press conference in response. And just as The Atlantic was publishing an article called Democrats should pick a new presidential candidate now. 
It begins by saying the Democrats need to wake up and stop sleepwalking toward disaster, as the article puts it, disaster being defined as reelecting Trump. So with us now is the writer of that article, political scientist Damon Linker, lecturer at the University of Pennsylvania. He also writes a Substack newsletter called Notes from the Middle Ground. He's a senior fellow in the Open Society Project at the Niskanen Center in Washington and is a weekly participant on the Beg to Differ podcast at The Bulwark. So, okay, John Stewart, let's have this conversation. Professor Linker, thank you for joining us. Welcome to WNYC. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. To make this, to make one thing very clear right off the bat, you describe Trump in your article as a sociopathic menace. So that's your prime directive here, right? How best to prevent another Trump election? Would that be correct? Yes, absolutely correct. And your judgment is that Biden is not the best Democratic presidential candidate to defeat Trump, even though no other serious contender has primaried Biden to make that case. So why do you think the Dems are sleepwalking to disaster, as the subhead of your article puts it? Well, I I really worry that the Democratic Party, and by that I mean the kind of institutional party leading Democratic office holders, and then a lot of kind of rank and filed uh, rank and file Democratic voters who are very informed, spend a lot of time, you know, reading Atlantic articles about subjects like this, all sort of combine two contradictory positions. They they are on the one hand very risk averse. They look out at the stakes in this election, which as as you indicated, I think are uh, incre- are enormous, and they look at that and they say. We, we have an incumbent president that brings advantages. He won in 2020, already defeated Trump once. We just have to put our heads down and just push this ahead and make sure he wins. If we shake, uh, shake the situation, rock the boat, then we're, we're doomed. So this is a kind of risk aversion that we, we need to stop talking about this, as you indicated, some listeners are already indicating to you. On the other hand, they're very confident that there's no way Trump could possibly win. I mean, he already, you know, he, he lost uh, the popular vote in 2016 by nearly 3 million. He was actually defeated in 2020. The Republicans underperformed in the 2018 midterms and the 2022 midterms. All these special elections that are happening, Democrats are overperforming. So basically, like, of course, Biden's going to win. Of course, Trump's a loser. So, you know, why are you raising this problem with Biden? The problem, as I indicate in the piece, is this isn't me. This isn't my little piece in the Atlantic here in mid-February. For months, polls have shown that something on the order of around three quarters of Americans think Biden is too old and too frail for his job as president and are very skittish about the idea of giving him five more years in that job. And uh, the person who would take over if he became incapacitated or died, uh, Kamala Harris, is about equally unpopular in approval to Biden. So that strikes me as a pretty risky, so we're talking about risk aversion, that's the real risk, is that this is the best we can do. This is 
the person we're going to run against the sociopath this would be authoritarian who wants to return to the Oval Office with a much more ambitious agenda than last time. That seems foolish. So here it is. We're, we're, we are nearing the point where this is going to be far too late. Yeah. So it struck me as the last possible reasonable moment to raise this issue. Are you sure, Democrats, that this is the best we can do? Nathan in Great Neck called first. He was on line one right from the beginning of the segment. Nathan, you get the first caller word. Hi. Yeah, hi. Uh, I agree with everything Mr. Linker said. Um, I wish he had more company. Uh, I'm concerned that uh, there should be 100 people uh, out there, opinion writers, saying exactly what Mr. Linker said. Uh, I'm tired of the gaslighting by Democrats saying there's nothing to see here. Biden is fine. He's not fine. Um, he's losing it. And I applaud John Stewart. I applaud Robert Hur. They're truth tellers. Uh, Biden has less charisma than a glass of warm milk to pick up on Mr. Linker's comment about uh, communication skills. Joe Biden is a horrible communicator. And I, I'd hope you follow up this segment with a gerontologist and an actuary to give us the statistical probabilities of Biden and Trump living the next four years or being diagnosed with dementia. Nathan, let me ask you one follow-up question. Do you have a replacement candidate in mind? Uh, Gretchen Whitmer would be a, a plausible candidate. J.B. Pritzker, uh, Chris Murphy from Connecticut. Uh, I think there are lots, and I'm tired of the gaslighting. And um, I, as I said, congratulations to Mr. Linker, and I hope he has lots of company in the weeks ahead from other pundits because Thank we got to get Biden out of this race. Thank We're you very much. I appreciate your call. Uh, Damon Linker, by the way, does name some names, including a couple that Nathan just mentioned um, as possible Democratic presidential nominees. We'll get to that from his point of view as we go. But another point of view first from Ian in Rockville, Maryland. You're on WNYC. Hi, Ian. Thanks for calling in. Hey, Brian. Thanks a lot for putting me on. Uh, I've got two quick things to say. First, um, I'm so happy that John Stewart is back. I watched the show. It was fantastic. It was hilarious. Uh, I think John Stewart has a lot to answer for. Uh, I firmly placed the uh, 2016 Trump election on his shoulders for abandoning us uh, during the uh, the Whoa. campaign. That's tongue in cheek, of course. That's tongue in cheek, of course. Yes. But, uh, yeah, so my, my real question for your guest is, is who, and I, I understand that he's got some lists, but I also wanted to ask about, you know, historically, has there ever been a, a party that primaried their own incumbent president and then went on to win? That's kind of my point. Also, you know, we did all this already. There was an open casting call. Everybody that wanted to run said no, because they know they're not going to do better than the incumbent. That's my point. Thank you. I'll take Ian, it off thank you. Call us again from Maryland. Uh, what do you say to either of his questions, Damon? Well, I'll just talk about it. the first one. Was that was that just about like alternative candidates to Biden? Are we going to circle back to that later? Or do you want me to address that now? Like put some names out there? Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the the people uh, I've heard mentioned uh, are, are good. I mean, my list in the piece is a series of Democratic governors. Gretchen Whitmer at the top of that list, uh, Josh Shapiro in my own Pennsylvania, uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, uh, Jared Polis of uh, 
uh, Colorado, J.B. Uh, Pritzker in Illinois, and then also Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock. I think a, a Whitmer-Warnock ticket would be a strong one. I have talked to you know some people who who worry about uh, going up against Trump with a woman, and I am not endorsing that as a statement of sexism or misogyny, simply like brutal realism, perhaps, about the way American politics gets played out. And so in that case, maybe like a Newsom would be good. I think personally, he's very charismatic and articulate and would be great in a one-on-one -on -one against Trump. I also do worry, though, that, um, you know, conservatives consider uh, California to be a, a kind of abject case and everything terrible that will happen to the country if uh, Democrats have power, and I worry yeah. about uh, campaign kind of devolving into that. They consider it Pelosi stan, as John Stewart put it in one of his lines this week. Uh, right, at least right. referring to San Francisco, but probably gets generalized to all of California. Well, to the caller's other history question: Has there ever been a party in which the incumbent president was successfully primaried? and then won the election. Well, not a, no, not exactly. And But what I'm advocating isn't even that. It's actually wilder than that because it's too late for there to be a proper primary. The primaries are already queued up. Biden's already won a few. The rest of them, no one's registered as candidates. So so what I'm describing is, is a kind of crazy scenario, I will admit it, in which Biden decides sometime in the next couple of months that he will bow out and then basically queues up an open convention in August. And the intervening months, Biden announces that all of the committed delegates to him from the primaries that have been held are, are free to throw their support behind any possible candidate. And we basically have several months where a number of candidates jump into a race that consists not in getting votes in primary contests, but in trying to persuade delegates to support them. And then we would end up, this would be messy. It would be quite dramatic and probably have the highest ratings of any convention you've ever seen, where there would be vote after vote while different people politic in the convention center and try to get a consensus. And eventually a consensus would be reached and we would emerge in August with a totally new, somewhat surprising candidate. And then that person would have the following, you know, two to three months to make the pitch. And I do not think this would be suicidal. It would be risky. I admit that. But I also think, as I've argued, that sticking with Biden is also risky. And a bold move like that actually could shake things up in unpredictable ways that could play very positively to the party as well. Some listeners in text messages are proposing other potential nominees. Andy Bashir, governor of Kentucky. Someone writes Pete Buttigieg. Listener yep, writes... So they're both good, yeah. As a Democrat who admires Biden's legislative successes, I cannot watch him speak for fear he will mess up, and he is so boring, a big dilemma, writes another listener. Um, but here's, I think, the most explicit version of the argument on the other side from Adam in Queens. Adam, you're on WNYC. Hello. How are you doing, Brian? Great to speak with you again. Um, I am a millennial, so I just want to throw that out there for demographic purposes. 
the thing that frustrates me about this argument so much is that, and how we as Democrats shoot ourselves in the foot over and over and over again, is that your guest just went off to say what a good job President Biden has done. He's got good people around him, all positive things, and we should replace him. I agree Kamala Harris is probably more of a liability than anything else. After four, almost four years, I still don't really know anything about her as VP. There are other people that I would love to see on the ticket that I think would be absolutely great at the job. But he's doing a good job, and I don't think any, anyone, like, these elections are all about groupthink, right? And especially with Democratic, I'm sorry, with independent voters. They swing because of, like, what they hear around them. And all we're doing in the media is talking about how old President Biden is, how he, how he won't be able to handle being president again. And if we just stopped saying that, no one would be thinking it. If we just, if our messaging and narrative, if Democrats took the narrative back and said, no, he's doing a great job. Let's talk about all his accomplishments. He can handle this. We're, we're like, and we're, we're getting Congress back, you know, the election two days ago. Um, you know, if we, if we change the narrative, no one would be thinking that he was too old. But instead, all we're talking about is how old the president is and how he's not able, he's not up to the job. And, and that's what people are hearing and that's what they're going to think. And it's just completely the opposite of what we should be doing right now when we're less than a year out. I just Adam, think, would, would I love a different scenario? Yes. But here we are, and we need to make the, the most of it. Adam, thank you very much. Last question, uh, and I will say one more time, our listeners, our Democratic Party supporting listeners are so divided on this. So many people writing in that this is a terrible thing to even be discussing um, and that it helps Trump, even though your point is exactly this is the way we have to fight Trump. And so many people are also writing in in support of you and saying some version of, thank goodness we're talking about this openly. Um, We need to do this, like Jon Stewart said at the beginning of that monologue. But last last question, and this is... uh, Another thread of the pushbacks to you on, uh, on, on, in text messages. And there are many versions of this question. Uh, I will give you the, uh, the local New York, very timely version, which says, Damon should talk to Tom Swazi about the polls, meaning you're citing polls as one of your main reasons to worry that Biden can't be Trump. But look how wrong the polls were in saying that that swazi mazi pillip race was going to be very close and then he won easily. Yeah. No, that's that's a totally valid response. I do have my, my own response to it, which is that these special elections that Democrats have done very well in, there have been a whole series of them in, in the Biden administration where the Democrat, where the Democrat ends up not only winning in a contested race, but actually over uh, overperforms based right. on the polls. Um, I think this but is... But the polls largely, have been wrong so often that they, yes. a lot now, of people the, aren't just pointing to Swazi. They're saying, really, you're just going to put your faith in the polls and make this drastic change based on that? So just address... Right. Uh, inaccurate polling generally. And then we have like 20 seconds, Damon, and then we're out of time. Okay. Well, it's not that polls in general are inaccurate. It's that it's hard to guess who will actually show up to vote. And the fact is that the Democratic Party 
has become increasingly educated voters, people who are highly engaged by politics in a way that in off-year elections and in special elections, Republicans are not. So when you have a special election like this, Democrats are showing up in huge numbers. The problem is that in a presidential election, that is likely not going to be the case. Now, you probably will have huge Democratic turnout, but you will also have huge Republican turnout in a way that you are not getting in these small off-year elections where Republicans sort of don't care very much. Trump, though he hasn't done great in you know, he hasn't done great in a lot of elections compared to the Democrat, despite winning in 2016. He does motivate Republicans to show up and vote. And he's never been better in the polls than he is right now, as hard to believe as that might be. And so it's all a question of turnout and who actually shows up. Uh, and that's that's what explains uh, things like the special election this week. All right. Listeners, agree or disagree? Damon Linker is a political science lecturer at the University of Pennsylvania and author now of the article in The Atlantic called Democrats Should Pick a New Presidential Candidate Now. Thanks so much for joining us and arguing it out. Thanks so much for having me. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.